of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5, I'll be reading Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. About this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he's a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant word to our hearts, to our salvation, to our thinking, and to our discernment, and to the glory of His holy name. Father, help me be blood earnest and honest with this text. Let it speak in these next numbers of minutes. Oh, let it be such a sweet balm of Joy and hearing and encouragement to the glory of your name and to the ears of our hearts that have been touched by the grace of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. It's no big deal if a kid only comes up to the middle of my belly button as long as he's only four years old. But if when he's 14 years old, he still only comes up to the middle of my belly button, then we should be alarmed that something has gone wrong. Now, in this journey through the book of Hebrews, we've been seeing touches of it, and that is this, many of the readers have grown, not up, but down in their walk with Jesus. He says here, that they have now come to need mommy's milk. Again, not solid food because they can't chew meat any more than a two-month-old can chew meat. Imagine a teenager who just stops eating solid food altogether and day by day is only living on a bottle with formula in it. That's what the author 
is saying about these Christians. Instead of understanding the gospel and its implications into their various areas of life and discernment of good and evil and how they live and how they choose, and therefore thus being able to also now instruct and teach others of these glorious truths, he says they have now come to need someone else to teach them again the basic ABCs of the Christian faith. All over again. Now, remember the context. The writer has begun to talk to them about Jesus, right? We've seen this last couple weeks about Jesus and the doctrine or the theology of Jesus as high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now this morning we come to verse 11, it's just like the author just paused and he took this deep breath and he realized, oh no, this is probably going to go way over their heads. But here's the kicker. The reason it's going to go over their heads is not because of their IQs. It's not because of their lack of an intellectual capacity or because the subject matter is really subject matter only for, for ivory tower academics in a seminary. No. His point is, it's going to go over their heads because of their hearts. Because of their desires. So now before he continues to plunge into the subject of the order of Melchizedek and Jesus after that eternal order, he now begins here in verse 11 and he takes a, a detour or a large parenthesis that will go from here, verse 11 of chapter 5, all the way through chapter 6. Something is terribly wrong with this group of Christians that he's writing to. Their growth is stunted. They come up to his belly button, even though now, with enough time, they should be adults. Now, this is not new. For those of us who have been here from the beginning of the book of Hebrews, we've seen the hints everywhere. The author, right, has already told them, pay close attention to what you have heard, lest you drift away from it. Don't harden your hearts like they did under Moses in the wilderness. Take care. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in what God speaks to you. Fear. Fear lest you fail to enter God's rest. And so now in this elongated parenthesis, he's saying, grow up. 
So with all of those urgencies that he's already given, we get this impression that the writer, he's really concerned about some terrible disease that is stunting the growth of these people. It's a spiritual disease. And now, in our text, he names the disease. He gets explicit. It's in verse 11. About this, in other words, about the doctrine of Jesus' high priestly ministry, we have a lot more to say. And it's hard to explain. Because you have become dull of hearing. There it is. The disease is dullness of hearing. That's what's behind all the medicine he's already been feeding them with the commands. Take precaution. Pay attention. Hold fast. Don't harden your hearts. All of those Pieces or injections of medicine have been aimed at this disease. Dullness of hearing. He's saying the problem, or, or in other words, the reason that they now were cocked their head to the side like, I don't know what you're really saying or talking about in this sermon Mr. Writer to the Hebrews, it's, it's way over my head. He says, the reason that's happening with them is because although they have been Christians for years, nevertheless, they have become dull of hearing. Think what a travesty that it would be if parents of a, a thigh-high six-year-old kid says, well, I know how to remedy that problem. Let's hire a general contractor to come in and remodel the whole home. We will move the, the door handles much lower and the light switches lower and the toilet lower and the sink lower and solve that problem instead of taking the child to the doctor in order to be diagnosed that maybe there's a remedy that can, that can heal or fix or cure this problem so we can become normal in the growth. That would be a travesty. Think what a travesty it would be if centuries and centuries after the writer wrote this letter that there were parents or, or pastors who, who refused to take their congregations to the doctor 
of biblical depth and meat and admonitions. But instead, they just gave in to the disease of dull of hearing. They started filling their pulpits with baby bottles filled with formula. In other words, what if they realized that the people, when I talk about anything in depth, their heads cocked to the side and their eyes roll back. You see the whites of their eyes and they're about ready to pass out. Their minds are only drifting. Anytime I, I take solid food of biblical doctrine like justification by faith alone, or like the doctrine of the atonement of Christ, where He made propitiation for sins. Or the doctrine of divine election, or the sovereignty of God versus the free will of man. Or sanctification, or, or the doctrine of the high priestly ministry of Jesus. They can't take it. Every time I start to teach on it, boredom. You can see it in their face. And so therefore, the only solution is to refuse to prepare solid food and just fill the pulpits with baby bottles. Because that way, at least it feels easier because it solves the tension. It solves the problem of people not wanting to come to church anymore. Because they can't handle more than a 22-minute speech on the Bible. They can't sit longer than it. Call the contractor. Remodel the house. It, it, does, it does help with that difficult task of, of having to feed milk to true babies whom Jesus brings into the church, but then also at the same time you're feeding meat and steak and potatoes to the mature, and you're also doing the duty of rebuking those who have the spiritual disease of dull hearing. That's difficult. The other way is easier. This author does not skirt the issue. He knows the problem is not with the gospel. He knows the problem is not with the Bible. He knows the problem is not with the biblical doctrines. He also knows the problem is not with the people's intellectual capacity. He knows it's a heart problem, a desire problem, a spiritual problem. He knows the problem here is with the people who are to be taught. Verse 11 shows that teaching God's Word in the life of the church is a two-way street, always. 
There's the knowledge and there's the capability of the teacher to explain things biblically and to explain them clearly. And there's also the receptivity of the hearers. I mean, the best illustration of that is the best teacher who ever lived. He would say things like these often during his teaching. Let him who has ears to hear, hear. Therefore, he would say, take care how you hear. If Jesus is the teacher, and the message is not getting through, guess who is the problem? When hearers are dull, then teaching is really difficult, as this author says. And then in verses 12 to 14, he goes on to unfold what dullness of hearing is. Let's read the passage again slowly. About this doctrine of the high priestly ministry of Jesus we have a whole lot more to say. And it's hard to explain. Not because we don't understand what we want to say and how to explain it. It's hard to explain because you have become dull of hearing. For, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness because he's a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So the author, he, he's ready to help them very practically throughout this book, right? Get to heaven. That's the underlying theme. Persevere to the end. And his way of going about that is how? It is through preaching and teaching doctrine. Now, here at this point, he's just begun the doctrine of the high priestly ministry of Jesus. Now, just pause for a moment. Look. Doctrine. All that word means is simply this. Teaching. Teaching about a particular topic. In other words, it means, when you think doctrine, think in the context of the local church, think, what does the Bible teach about that? That's all it means. So what does the Bible teach about Jesus? As God, and also as a human being. 
We call it the doctrine of Christology. What does the Bible teach about justification by faith alone? Apart from any works of the law. We call that the doctrine of justification. What does it teach about heaven? It's a doctrine of heaven. What does it teach about election? It's the doctrine of election. So when you hear the word doctrine, you just think teaching. You think learning what the Bible says in order to see and behold the glory of God in Jesus Christ so that you will grow and develop from one degree of glory to another. But we do live in a day of dumbed down Christianity where there is an opposition to teaching Sound, different contours, an explanation, and go deeper, meaning more meaty or food-wise, about sound biblical doctrine. And ever since I became a Christian 40 years ago, in the air there's this old saying, brother, doctrine divides people. But love edifies. And what's often meant by some who use that, they mean, therefore, doctrine's not important. Let's just be nice. Who cares about what we really think about Jesus? But the fact is, every professing Christian whether they say that or not, all of us have doctrines. Can't get around it. They may be sound doctrines in line with Holy Scripture, or they may be unthought through and shallow understandings that at the core, because of their shallowness, actually contradict clear biblical teaching. So if you're a Christian, you cannot avoid being a theologian. The question is, are you growing to be more sound in your understanding of the Bible, of Christianity, of Jesus, of salvation, of biblical theology, or are you shallow and mixed up and unbiblical in your theology? The question that this text asks all of us who are Christians, constantly, including me, is do you have or is the disease growing in you called dullness of hearing. So this morning, that's all I want to deal with is that term.
you have become dull of hearing. We'll come back to verses 12 to 14 next week. So first, that first word, dull. It's the Greek word, nothroi. At its core, it means something like lazy, sluggish. But the, the real key to grasp, okay, dull hearing. How is he using it is he only uses this word one other time in the entire book of Hebrews. So flip over one page forward to chapter 6, verse 12. Hear what he says there. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be no throy. There's the word. So that you will not be sluggish but instead, you would be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He's just told us the opposite of dullness. It's clear. It's diligence. It's, it's, it's a heart thing called earnestness to have the contents the message of the gospel, the doctrine of the gospel, to have that cause in the heart, not merely in the head, this assurance of hope. That's what he just said. Which then, he says, causes you to be like others who through faith and patience Or like he says in our larger passage, who take those things and walk them out. Who through practice, what's happening? They're having their spiritual senses matured to know that's, that's evil. That's good. Let's not do that. That would be dumb. Let's go that way. So at the core, in other words, dullness means there's something wrong with the heart. That's why hope in the heart is not rising in response to the word. He's saying the heart is not earnest. It's not diligent or eager to embrace the doctrines. To embrace the promises of God in Jesus Christ. To embrace the atonement of Christ and say, yes, how, how am I forgiven? To embrace the doctrine of divine election. To embrace the problem of evil and what's God's answer to this world in which we live in. It, it's a heart that just says, mm, 
can't wait to get out of here and to get to what I really want to embrace instead of that. In other words, I think it works something like this. One reads the Word of God or they hear it preached again and again in the local church and it goes into their very capable minds. It works and average people are really smart to do life and to think. Just ask them what they're really interested in, you'll be amazed at their intellect. And then they walk around, I don't know, I have no idea what that guy said. It's a heart issue. But see, you go, it went into the mind, it worked there, and then it filters down into the heart, and it just bounces off. Because the heart is hardened. That is dullness of hearing. That is his point. The preaching about the promises of God, the doctrines that God has give us, given us laid out in this book. It, it comes to the ear and then there's no passion for it. There's no love for what is being written or said or explained because there's no love for God at that moment. No love for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what he means by the word no throw here. Dullness. And then the second word of hearing. He uses this word of hearing only twice in the book of Hebrews. So let's glance at the other time he uses it as a help. Chapter 4, verse 2. The good news came to us just as to them under Moses in the wilderness, but the, literally, logos, the word, the message, they heard. There it is. They heard it. Came to their ears. It was in Hebrew. And that's their language. They understood the words. But it did not benefit them. Because they were not united by faith. That is the message. It was not united by faith in their hearts. With the ones who listened to what God said. They had the word. They, they had the good news preached to them and the promises and the mercy and the grace that God was offering. And they heard it, but there was no faith. This is dullness of hearing. The message they heard did not benefit them. 
because they were not united by faith with those who heard. The word goes into the ears. It filters down to the heart. And it meets dullness. It meets boredom. It meets a hardness of heart. The opposite of dullness of hearing is clearly in this writer's mind. Hearing with heart of faith, which produces obedience. Look up a few verses to chapter 3, verses 18 to 19 for a moment, what he's already said. And to whom did he, God, swear that they would not enter his rest? Answer is this. But to those who were disobedient. So we see they were unable to enter God's rest because of unbelief. That's the author's mind. Notice his switch from disobedience to unbelief. Why? Because the root of all disobedience to God and His Word is unbelief. A lack of trust in the command, the direction, the doctrine, the promises. They, with their physical ears, heard. But their hearts are dull. Sluggish. Sluggish toward what they hear. And thus they, they fail to embrace that with a heart of faith. And so their hearts don't produce what this author is all about, endurance in obedience. You remember after Jesus preached that parable of the four soils? Where the four soils, farmer's ground, represented four different kinds of human hearts that would receive, all of them hear, they hear the Word. The seed that the farmer plants is the gospel of the kingdom, the doctrines of God. They hear it, and there's four soils, right? Okay, that's how I'm going. Right after... Right after that, Jesus said this, Take care how you hear. Because to the one 
who has. You know, that fourth soul, and you hear, and you really hear, and you have ears to hear. He says to that one, oh, there's some meat coming your way. There's some, there's some more word and seed coming your way. More will be given to them, he says. And from the one who has not ears to hear. Even what they think they have understood already with the word will be taken away. If you have grace to hear with, with faith and thus its fruits, Jesus says, then you will get more grace through the Word. But if you don't have ears that are hearing, you don't have that grace that is hearing, you're going backwards, then even what you think you have will be taken away. That is the seed and the Word of God, the doctrines of God. Because you are dull of hearing. And isn't that the point of our passage? Of verse 11 of Hebrews 5. I got a lot of seed. I got these massive bags of seed to plant on your souls. And he says, I can't really even do that right now. It won't get into the soil because you have went backwards. You've become dull of hearing. The word is being taken away from you. Turn it around. That's what he's saying to them. About this doctrine, we have much to say. And it's hard to explain because you have become Dull of hearing. Dull of drawing near to God over the Word, over the truth. And thus, the Word is beginning to be taken away from you. And that's why you can't understand it. We'll come back to the rest of the passage next week. Let me just close with three applications from what we have heard here in verse 11. The first is this. I plead with you. I plead with myself. None of us are beyond this exhortation ever because of the waywardness of our hearts. That's why we must be diligent. And that is this. I plead with you that in your Bible reading, and while you listen to expository preaching, be diligent and earnest in how you hear. One way is prepare your hearts on Sunday morning so that you don't finally wake up after the fourth song or after halfway through a sermon. Prepare your hearts of worship to eat, to be soft-watered soil, 
Prepare your hearts when you go to your Bible and your quiet times at home. Because lazy, sluggish, drifting, passive, dull listening is extremely dangerous. Secondly, don't ever buy the deception. Don't ever buy that lie that biblical meat, biblical theology is only for a select few, the intellectual types within the church world. But for the rest of us, watered down baby bottles will do. It is a lie of Satan. Those who stay on that diet are manifesting an internal disease called dullness of hearing. And so then finally ask yourself, if you find yourself in a place where, okay, I just have a really hard time grasping almost everything that's being said. I'm struggling to even understand the doctrine of Jesus or of Christ or of Christology or of justification by faith or of the Holy Trinity or of the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ or the perseverance of the saints or of election or of the high priestly ministry of Jesus. Ask yourselves if the reason that they're hard or even impossible for you to grasp a little bit more today than you did yesterday. Is it just because you're a brand new Christian? A baby? Then that's okay. But if, if you've been around for years, is it because you have a spiritual disease called dullness of hearing. So here's our exhortation. As a hungry, thirsty person, cry out, oh God, heal this in me. And then take up your Bible, pray and read. And then read and pray. And in church, hear, listen, ask questions, pray Psalm 119. Open my, yes, I'm going to paraphrase it, my ears, O oh Lord, so thou hear wonderful things from your word. Or pray words like this. Prepare our hearts, O oh God. Help us to receive. Break the hard and stony ground. Help our unbelief. Plant your word down deep in us. Cause it to bear fruit. Open up our ears to hear. 
Lead us in your truth. Oh, Lord, show us Christ. Show us Christ. Oh, God, reveal your glory through the preaching of your word until every heart confesses Christ is Lord. Your word is living light. Upon our darkened eyes, guards us through temptations, makes the simple wise. Your word is food for famished ones. It is freedom for slaves, riches for the needy soul. Come speak to us today. Where else can we go, O oh Lord? Where else can we go? You, and you alone, have the words of eternal life. O oh Lord, show us Christ. Show us Christ. Let's stand. And let's pray that again with melody.